Hi, this is Kevin Flood from the Classic Car Show and America's Web Radio from Reading, England. And I'm speaking with Neil Fretwell from the Vintage Hot Rod Association here in the UK. Good evening, Neil. Good evening, Kevin. Nice to talk to you. Thanks. So it's good for you to give us your time. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, one of my first points was, is how does Neil um, become a hot rodder, I guess? Uh, well, there's no real big story behind it, really. There's no history of old cars in the family, apart from old cars that were new cars at the time they were made. Mm. Uh, about the only story I've got uh, from my past is my dad, back in the 1950s, he was uh, a teddy boy, and the only car he ever told me about was one that he used to drive to the Two Eyes Cap to go and see the likes of Tommy Still and Cliff Richard that had Yogi and Boo Boo Express written down one side, and Don't Laugh Your Daughter Could Be Inside on the other side much like the jalopies they would have uh, been running around in in the 20s. Um, but beyond that, nothing really that led me to them, uh, until one day I went to a cruise night in Southend and saw a bunch of American cars driving up and down and realised that the uh, Cortina that I was in just didn't cut the mustard. So started doing some research. Um, I was about 18 years old at this time, and uh, the first old car I bought was a Morris Minor, uh, that led to going to shows, that led to buying more magazines, and just a year or so later, uh, picked up on um, a feature in Street Machine magazine uh, with a chopped Vauxhall uh, Wyvern, I believe it was, that belonged to Ken Brooks, who was one of the low flyers. Mm. Um, we went out and uh, we wanted to replicate that car. We really liked the looks of it. They're, they're sort of the low-buck, sort of cheap-looking, uh, easy-to-achieve modified vehicle. A, me and my brother bought a full console, we chopped it, put a V6 engine in there, had lots of sibling arguments over it about what we was going to do and never actually got the car finished. But it did lead us on to attending custom car shows and hot rod shows. Uh, we went to one in Brighton where there was a car there owned by Bernie Chodosh, which was a 32 three-window coupe with a flathead in it. And for the six hours we were at the show, I looked at that one car and didn't look at anything else. Uh, from there, we started attending more and more events. We was, there was an, an event in uh, South England called the Great Ape Escape, and the low flyers uh, used to get along there with their traditional hot rods. This would have been around about 1987, I guess, and uh, that bug really bit for me, and uh, I, I really needed a hot rod in my life. And a year or so later, one of those low flyer cars came up for sale, which was a, a V8-powered Model T, and I, I just went on from there, really, and, and it, you know, getting books from Don Montgomery, Albert Drake, things like that. The Street Was Fun in 51 book was um, a big moment in my life when that, that fell through the letterbox. And it, it just, like a lot of people, really, it, it just really grabs hold of you and, and, and runs off. You know, you don't really know the whole reason why you like it, but, you, you, you know, it's going to change your life. Yeah, it's, it's a really good summing up of, of how it bit you, basically. I know we've got something a little bit in common because we've both got a sport coupe, but yours looks a little bit different to mine. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on your sport coupe? Well, the sport coupe's been in my life a long time as well. I mean, that takes us back to it's going to be those guys called the low flyers again. Um, for those American listeners of, your, of, of yours that maybe don't know uh, the, the UK low flyers, they were a group of guys... Uh, around about the mid-80s, shook up the, the, the show car scene. Everyone was mostly polishing and sitting around in lawn chairs. These guys came along in primed cars and, um, you know, showed us, us youngsters what we could do, you know, what was accessible to us, and it looked like a load of fun. And it was, it was one of those low flyers that uh, I bought, started buying the parts from 
for my sport coupe more than 20-odd years ago now. Uh, a guy by the name of Dave Loder. I bought a chassis, engine, axles and a few other bits and pieces along with a 24 Doctor's Coupe body, uh, which I assembled, got on the road. And then over the last 20 years, the cars evolved into... Di- oh, morphed, I should say, rather than evolved mm. into different cars. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a Model A Roadster, it's been a Model T Roadster. Um, and finally, we settled around about eight or nine years ago, maybe a little longer, on a, um, a sport coupe body that was brought in from the States to England by John Reed. Um, and it, it, it was in a rare old state. It was equivalent of around about 500 bucks. Um, and we just pieced that together. John always said it wouldn't be a nice car, but I think I turned it around quite nicely, and uh, I'm really pleased with how it's turned out. It's, uh, it's, it, it's it, that, that has now evolved from the pile of parts that it, it originally was. Uh, it's now got a full-race uh, Winfield Model A4 banger in there, which was built by Chase Steele at Taylor Engine. There's a quick-change axle out the back, 16-inch uh, Kelsey wires all round with lion's caps, uh, hiding those, which is a bit of an odd one, I know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get expensive wheels and cover them with cheap covers. It's, right. uh, it's a strange way of doing things, but uh, I think they look real nice on there, so uh, I'm, I'm sticking with them. But it, it's really the car I always wanted. I've always wanted a hopped-up Model A, and that's exactly what I've got now, so I consider myself very lucky. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like it, and I, I like the fact that you, um, in reality, brought a Model A that was dead, basically, back to life. Um, there is uh, there is often criticism of people rodding you know decent looking Model A's, but I, I think a lot of the time it's people saving things rather than destroying them. To be honest, oh, I agree entirely. Yeah, I mean, as you say, in this country we get a lot of people saying we're cutting up good cars, but the, the body from mine was languishing in a, a scrapyard in California for more than twenty years. I'm led to believe, uh, and it was in a it was in a rough condition. There were no it really was the bare body shell, and in a bad shape at that. It, it, it was never going to get rescued as a restoration, although that's kind of what I took on to make it as it was. I, I learned to restore before I could actually hot rod the thing because there was so much missing on it. You needed to find out what you needed to make it a Model A. So, uh, yeah, I, you, you're, you're, you're dead right. We've, we've saved one, not ruined one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, if people want to have a look actually on the vhra.co.uk or vrha.com, it's vhra.co.uk, isn't it? It's .co.uk, yeah, yeah the .com had gone, unfortunately. Yeah. The build, um, Neil's build is on there and you can see um, what he started off with and I think you'll find, you know, you'll agree that it's a quite a lovely beast now in comparison. I mean, mine mine is a, a 29 Sport Coupe that's got 16s on it, a Simmons head and a few other bits and pieces, but I'm kind of... I'm in limbo at the minute between a standard and a and a rod, <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm sort of leaning towards the rod. So I, I've had to do such a lot to it because it had juice brakes and stuff on it that have been very badly done, and you know it's been more of a, a bit of a labour of love. But it's got to the point now where I can use it, so I, I can kind of see how you feel about it now as well. So once you can get it on the road, and just it's the visceral driving of those things, isn't it? That really. Uh, it really happens. I, I, that's the thing I love about it. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like that first day when you get the car, whether it's you know as a, as a purchase of a car that's running or a car that you've built from the ground up. There's nothing like putting that key in the ignition for the first time and and taking it round the block. It's uh, all the hours in the garages, in the garage, all the you know the time saving, putting the money together, or whatever else it is that you know gets you to that point. It just all fades away. It's just and. For me, there's nothing quite compares to it. No, I agree. What's um, what do you have at the minute, cars-wise? Is it just the sport coupe, or have you got something else? Or 
Uh, we've got a couple of other cars in the family. We've got a 53 Chevy uh, station wagon nice. uh, out on the front, which is uh, my girlfriend's. She, that's uh, a very, very mild custom, just lowered and a few little bits and pieces done to that. Uh, there is also a Model A project in the garage that uh, is probably going to get sold on, to be honest. Uh, I, I'm just not finding the time to get round to it, but it would, it would have been a similar sort of build to what I have now. Winfield equipment on a four-banger, uh, fenderless chopped, that sort of thing. Not, not as uh, neat and tidy as the coupe. That was uh, far too much effort. It would have been a little bit rougher and readier, but I'm, as I say, I'm just not finding the time to, uh, to get round to it, but... The, if I do sell it, the money will go back into something with wheels. I've got a little bit of a hankering for a, an early Harley or Indian or something like that, but uh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I, I actually saw it beautiful. I was at, um, There was a steam rally near me at Thiel, near Reading, and there was a lovely uh, ex-military Indian there that had been converted for um, civilian use. It was, oh, it was lovely. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're so. very, very nice things. Unfortunately, right. for, for, for something that's missing two wheels, they, they go for a hell of a lot of money. They certainly do. Uh, but th- th- it's, I guess that's true of most of these things nowadays. You know, there's... there's, there's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm true of this as well. I'm one of these people that if, if my car was to come up for sale, I couldn't actually afford it anymore. It's, it's a funny thing, you know. Yeah. It was built out of parts over plenty of years, you know, and it, 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 I think you could finally end up getting around to, to spending what these things would have cost you in the first place, but it's easier spread over time, you know. But when, when you finish and you find out your car's, you know, worth into the into the tens, twenties, thirties, thousands, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a surprise, really. Um, you know, the, the, the values behind them. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure some people buy them for the investment. I certainly don't mind. It's all about the fun <laughs> for me. Same here. I mean, uh, I think I was lucky when I bought mine, but I think mine would have probably cost me two or three grand more if I bought it now. So, oh, definitely, yeah. They're, 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 I mean, I, I help with um, valuations for for the VHRA for, for insurance purposes and that sort of thing. And uh, even the insurance companies. I, I, when, when I first started with this about five years ago, I was completing valuations all the time for people, and they were around the fifteen to twenty thousand pounds mark. Um, now. The insurance companies have got a 25, I think it's about £25,000 before they even start to question the value. So even the insurers are realising that they're, they're, they're going up in price, it's, which, is, which are handy, you know, because hopefully if the worst should happen, I don't know of anyone that has had an accident recently, you know, the insurers will, will uh, recompense what these things are worth. Yeah, who do you find best um, to deal with in the UK in terms of um, hot rod and custom insurance, just We've in your experience? Com- well, we've got a few companies we like it's impossible to pin down one company that's perfect for everybody. You know, you'll get a company that will be the cheapest, but then they won't insure anybody under the age of 30, um, and they won't let the car be off the, out of the garage overnight and that sort of thing. But, you know, that suits some people, and others suit uh, want something where they can use the car every day. But we, we've got a little bank of insurers that we use. We've got uh, a company by the name of... What's that? I'm trying to think of it. We've got uh, Cherish Vehicle Insurance is one of them. Uh, they're new on board with us, and they, they, I know they've just uh, put, put all their premium, premiums down. Funny enough, that's a nice oh, little nice. advert for them there. Um, the, another one is Haggerty, uh, and then there's another company called Brentaker. And you know, and between the three of those, we've, we've negotiated a, a discount with all of them, and I think we can pretty much cover everybody's needs within within the VHRA with, with those three companies. That's excellent. Right, well, we're uh, just coming up to our first segment now. I'm gonna we're going to take a break and pay some bills and uh, we'll come back and talk to Neil Fretwell again after the break. 
Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's Webradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. This is Kevin Flood, and we're back speaking with Neil Fretwell of the Vintage Hot Rod Association here in the UK. Um, Neil, if I said to you, um, you had an unlimited checkbook, and what car would you buy? There's a a difficult one. Like most people in the the car world, there's there's just so many cars, so little time. Um, There's there's a car I really like, and I, I'm wrecking my brains to think of the guy's name at the moment. Um, but it's a 39 Merc uh, Cabriolet, um, sorry, convertible, that was um, stored for many years. And there was a feature on it in Rod and Custom, uh, not Rod and Custom, sorry, Rod's Journal, mm-hmm. a, a few years back. I think the guy got killed at the lakes in the, in the early 50s, and, and his custom just got parked up. Um, and I just cannot think of the guy's name at the moment, but he that, that's one like an early style custom, um, preferably sort of 1936 through to about 39 mm. with the wide stud pattern wheels. That, that's something about those appeal to me. I do like a, a, a Phaeton, but it, it would almost definitely be something from the Ford, Mark. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I, I know my station in life, and uh, I'm a Ford man through and through. Mine, I think, um, I was at, I went to the Pizza Museum a couple of years ago, and they had the Roadster display on there, and they had the Doan Spencer Roadster in there. Oh yeah, yeah. And I call. think you know that 
I think he did that in 1949 or something like that. And that is just, you know, I didn't, uh, my wife had to pull me away from it. <laughs> I was there for quite a while looking at that. And it was, um, yeah, I, they had a whole bunch of them there, actually. They had the red one that's in Bruce Myers' collection and uh-huh. one, or, one or two others there as well. And it was, yeah, I was just lucky. I sort of lucked out. It was, it was um, Roadster display week or something and it was uh yeah it was a bit of a religious experience that one yeah can you <laughs> around the peterson's museum we was there one time and uh much like you say there was the don spencer car and there was mm. a few cars from the i think the um frank mac t was there and there was a few other cars yeah. and as we rounded the corner there was uh, Ed Roth's Outlaw up on a plinth. Mm. And now, whilst I, I like the Ed Roth stuff, it's not the stuff I normally go for, but for a moment there, you got the feeling of what people must have thought in 58, 59 when he bought that car out and how extreme it was compared to those other cars, you know. Yeah. So for yeah. me that day, I would want to come home with Ed, Ed Roth's Outlaw. <laughs> you know, the, the next day, you know, it, like, like you say, it would be one of the earlier cars, something yeah. like Whiskey's D or something like that. It's... Uh, yeah, just so many great cars from the history of hot rodding and customising. Um, yeah, almost, almost impossible. I mean, another favourite of mine, going a little bit later in style, is the Polynesian, the Oldsmobile, the sectioned Oldsmobile. Oh, yep. Yep, absolutely stunning car. I, you know, I can't find a fault with that car anywhere. You know, that, that's that's high on my list of, I like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, just, yeah, it's just so many different cars to choose from, really. Well, one of my favourites, I was lucky enough, my wife managed to get me into the um, GM Heritage Collection. Sorry, I swelled at you there, but it's a GM. <laughs> um, well, we've got a GM on the drive, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and I managed to actually touch the Y-Job, the 1938 uh-huh. um, concept car. Um, wow. And it's just a magical thing. And you can see all the other cars in that have come afterwards where they've stolen little bits here and there from that yeah, concept yeah. was um, was kind of unbelievable. But, no, that's, that's good. Uh, can you give me a little bit of history on the VHRA? Yeah, no, no problem at all. Um, it, the, the VHRA's got roots going back about 25 years now. It, it was originally in 1991, and I'm going to mention the low flies yet again. Um, there was Clive Greasel and John Blackmore, who were sort of the founding fathers of the low flyers, um, more stuff with their cars rather than just parking up at shows and attending hot rod events. So they formed the Vintage Hot Rod Association. Uh, all that consisted of really was Clive um, wrestling you for a fiver to buy a T-shirt, get a mm. membership card, and um, wonder what was going to happen after that. But there was a bunch of us wandering around in, a t- in the T-shirts that weekend at the at the nationals. Um, but nothing really more came from it. I believe Clive got close to 100 or so members, but it was probably the wrong time. We were all too young to, you know, to sort of pin down trying to organise things properly, and it, it just slipped by the wayside. And it was around 20 years later that legislation in this country was getting tighter, it was getting harder to register cars, the Model A Owners Club were... Uh, sneering at us and I heard rumours that they were only going to start reg- uh, help with registering matching number cards which we know is a near impossible thing with Model A's because the engines wore out after a few years so well in for a penny in for a pound got in touch with the DVLA and uh, put forward the VHRA name it's the only name I could think of and I thought we'd give it a bit of its own nostalgia as well and uh, they accepted us on their list of, car- uh, of clubs that can help with registrations so I thought, best get something proper in, in, in line. So I got my local car club, the Sidewinders. 
we, I said to him, you know, do you think it'll work if we do the Vintage Hot Rod Association again? They were up for it. So using pictures of air cars, built a website, um, got some T-shirts printed, got some cards printed, and uh, put it out there. And I, I, I thought we'd peak around about 50 members or so, 50, 60 members. I, I, you know, and I thought it'd all be people I know and or we've known over the years, lots of people who were members of uh, the VHRA first time round. And then before I knew it, we were up to 100 members within three months, uh, which really, really surprised me. Um, and it just kept growing. And, and after a short while, we deci- I decided it was time that we needed... Uh, an event to call our own. We were tagging on to a couple of other bits and pieces, things like uh, the uh, Bugatti Owners Club meetings and uh, the Hot Rod Drags and the Nostalgia Nationals, but we were just a small part of a bigger event. And um, we, we, we actually booked Prescott for ourselves. Uh, mm, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. For, 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 for your American um, listeners who, who don't know uh, Prescott, it, it, as I said, it belongs to the Bugatti Owners Club. They've owned it since the 30s. And their racetrack is essentially the drive to the house at the top of the hill. Um, and they hire it out 30 times a year, and we were lucky enough to, to hire it. Um, I was going to say, to, for, for the guys, actually, that, that will be listening to this, think Goodwood-type thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, th- yeah think yeah. Goodwood, but um, think a lot more laid-back, a lot more mm. low-key, just a really nice bunch of guys. They're, they're into their cars. It's... Clearly, they've got to, you know, cover their their expenses and that, but it doesn't feel like they're, you know, trying to wring the money out of you. You know, it's uh, it's a real nice feeling down there. And like I say, they let us hire the hill, and uh, we, 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 we were um, planning to thrash up there. But whilst we was doing that, we got an email in from the council at Pendine Sands, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, uh, yeah. are aware of what we get up to at Pendine. Um, well, they actually, they're, they're actually not, to be honest, I don't think. Oh, and, really? I, and I think part of this... The audience we got here, this would be a nice introduction to Pendine as well uh, right, during okay. this conversation because yeah. um, what we're trying to do really with this is the, the guys run a show over in the States and they're, they're really interested in what we're doing on this side and it will be okay. introducing a lot of things that we do over here that they've not heard about yet. Okay. So um, I know I know Pendine popped up on Hemmings, so some of them will see it. But, yeah, um, yeah I, saw it, I saw it on, on Hemmings and yeah. I know it's been on the ham as well, although... It doesn't mm. see a whole lot of traffic when it pops up on the ham, and we do get orders for merchandise in from the states as well. Yeah. So I know some people are seeing us, but well, a, a brief history of Pendine yeah. Sands. Then um, they'll they, they be aware of Daytona and the speed trials that went on there. Well, round about the same sort of time over here, we had uh, Pendine Sands, and for three years in the 1920s, between 1924 and 1927. Um, all bar a brief hiatus when the, the land speed record moved up the country to somebody else, uh, to Henry Seagrave, uh, Pendine Sands was the go-to place for speed where Harry Thomas and uh, Malcolm Campbell were battling it out with their, um, uh, uh, with their cars uh, uh, between 150 and 170 miles an hour. I think the, the record varied over those few years. Uh, and there was a tragic accident where Perry Thomas was killed uh, vying for the record in 1927. And all bar a few record attempts here and there in lower classes, the sands went quiet for a while. Um, I'll just add in there, actually, Neil, they, they did yes. a uh, reproduction of his car, didn't they, and ran it down the sand there a, a few months back. Well, well um, the, uh, the, uh, the Bluebird, yes, the 25 Bluebird, that, yeah. was, that, that, was, that was on a 151 mile an hour record. Yeah. They didn't run it that fast. No, no. I, was, 
I was lucky <laughs> enough to go down there, and uh, I think if they went 30 miles an hour, they were lucky, but it was a, it was a great day to, to see it Was that the week before the, your event, or was that... It was a week or two later. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so anyway, we, we uh, I, I received an email here from the council um, saying, would you like to come down and put an event on, on the beach? Wow. Uh, so immediately I asked, are you asking us to put a show on, or are you saying we can race on the beach? And I got the greatest email of my life back saying, you can do what you like. <laughs> and so um, that, that was that. that, you know, it, it was, and then the next nine months of, of uh, my life were taken up with, you know, trying to find out about all the uh, ins and outs and the legalities of racing mm. on a beach and finding someone to insure, someone to license us. Um, I mean, you have to get these things off signed off by the Secretary of State. Oh, wow. It, it, goes, it goes a long way. I mean, he's got somebody doing it for him. It's not him personally, yeah. but, you know, the, 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 the official documents are all sort of covered by him. Um, and, yeah, and, and then we it just went daft after Pendine, really. I mean, it, it's... I, it's we're, we're getting what the uh, the Americans had on the dry lakes and, and everything else back in the 30s, but we're only just getting it now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to think of we're rec- recreating something that never happened. No, uh, you're right. It, it, uh, it, it, it should have been going on on the beach. Yeah. And, it sh- you know, back in the, the 20s and 30s, there should have been groups of guys doing what the guys in, in California were doing, yeah. driving across the country or, you know, across the state, to find somewhere where they could time their cars. It, I, it, I, I think we just didn't have the cash back then, I think. we. Maybe, I suppose yeah. we were coming up to the war and it was um, just coming out of a recession and that, I guess, and it was it was probably just a different time for us, really, wasn't it? And oh, you, yeah, I mean, we, we, we took a lot longer to come out of the Second World War than the Americans yeah. did. I mean, with the, the, my, my mum and dad, I think, you know, I was born in 66, and, you know, my oh. mum and dad often referred to the fact that um, you know, things were still on ration. I, mean, just uh, I was um, before that. I was born in '59, and you went back to saying your dad was a Ted. My dad was a Ted with a BSA Gold Flash and a Velocet uh-huh. and all sorts. So, um, and we got carted around in a motorbike and sidecar when I was a kid Thanks as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm with you on that one. But um, yeah. no, I agree with you. And, and I think also with the with the state of the Bonneville Salt Flats at the minute, there are you know there's more publicity around some of the speed events at other places now as well. Aren't there? Definitely, yes, yes. Um, we get we, we've had a few people inquire about running their cars or bikes down on the beach, you know. And as a one-off thing, it's quite an expensive undertaking because mm. you, need, as I say, you know, you need these things signed off from all sorts of legal level. And because the beach actually belongs to two different parties, uh, okay. uh, the council and the MOD, they both want their cut, you know. And neither of them will give you a discount for the fact that you know you've already paid one or the other. But uh, yeah. so, so as, a, as an individual thing, it, it, like I say, it's, a, it, it's an expensive pastime but we go down there we last year we put 160 odd cars on the beach I was just say that, yeah. it was you know it was, it, it's uh, it's a hell of a feat really and it's not me sort of bigging myself uh-uh. up it, it, it's, it's a nod to the club because uh, I, I honestly don't think there's any other club certainly not in this country that could do what we do down there mm. because it's an all uh, it's an all hands on deck affair. Yeah, um, from you know, I, I know I can turn around at any point and ask anybody to go and do something for us that makes the event work. Mm. Be it taking down fences or putting a piece of rope out or or, or even running and getting somebody a bacon sandwich. You know, you, yeah. it's a real team effort down That's there. That's great. So, um, we're going to need to take a little break now. Um, okay. we'll, we'll be back on the classic car show right after these messages. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. 
just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. I'm Pat Rulo, hostess of Speak Up and Stay Alive, patient safety radio, heard on America's web radio every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Now you and your loved ones can stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards. Join me Thursdays at 9 a.m. or listen to my podcasts on americaswebradio.com. For more information, visit speakupandstayalive.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Kevin Flood, and we're back speaking with Neil Fretwell of the Vintage Hot Rod Association here in the UK. You were saying about um, volunteers. I think all these things, you know, can't really run without volunteers. I know um, our mutual friend, Mr. Cochrane, came down with his truck and helped out a little bit and stuff like that, you know. He certainly did, yeah. yeah. uh, We, we, you know, the guys that uh, don't want to race, if they still want to come down in their cars, we, we have a few positions for them so they can do patrol. Um, and the, the, the thing about running patrol is you actually have more time on the sand than the yeah, race cars. That's what you said. You know, should, 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 should something <laughs> fall off the cars or we've got someone wandering across the track, you know, we'll send the patrol cars out and they'll clear people away. And uh, it, it's, it, it's the best seat in the house on the start line or at the top end of the course, you know. So even, even as patrol, maybe not quite as exciting as, uh, as racing, but certainly, you know, a good place to be. And, yeah, we were really grateful for for us last year. But I think also it adds to the authenticity of it, doesn't it? Because if you've got your patrol vehicles that are period as well and stuff like that, it's it really does add to the, the whole spectacle, really, doesn't it? Well, that's what we're trying to achieve down there, yeah. you know. I mean, we, it will never... I, I, I don't really like the phrase period perfect because I don't think anything ever is, you know. Um, unless, you know, you've got a line-up of cars that were built in the day, uh, you're going to be hard pushed to do that. But we, we try and get close, you know, with the, the, the guys and girls in, in the sidewinders and, on, and the flag girls, you know, they're, they're, we've got some nice uniforms worked out now. 
we we've got a timing stand that looks the part built by one of the members you know we we try and we try our best to make it as, as in period as we can you know and um we we, we you know we, we had a we had a complaint the first year that the uh, the harris fencing spoke the uh, the old look to everything <laughs> but i i'm not aware of anywhere that you can hire vintage fencing Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say that the pedant in me, I did mean to come home and uh, see when Harris fencing was invented, just so <laughs> I could argue the toss. Plus the fact <laughs> you, wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to annoy the MOD too much, because you might get shelled while you're on there as well, I guess. Well, so. <laughs> exactly that. I mean, a few people have asked if we can have our own speed week down there, um, right. but there's two things to contend with. One, the tide would be in. Yep. And the, and the second one, as you say, the MOD are putting shells over all week. So yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, that might that's make people go faster, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, also um you were you were um till like, before I interrupted you, you were describing the Prescott Hill climb. Oh yes, yes. Um yeah, I mean that that one that that's uh, that's 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 a very British thing really. I I know they mm. have hill climbs in the States, but they're more of a uh, a straight hill or with a couple of bends in whereas prescott's a, a very windy type of hill it's uh um you know I, I don't well for our cars anyway the speeds certainly aren't getting that high they've um, got one in colorado aren't they a hot rod hill climb i think um this probably that's on the road though that one and, and i yeah. suppose the only other thing is pike's peak which is yeah which is just yeah, well, but we, but that's one we can't <laughs> quite compete with no. pike's peak but <laughs> But no, it's a, it's a, it's, an, it's, it's a funny thing, this hill climbing thing. You know, most of the mm. tracks, they go one way. They don't complete a circuit. Um, a lot of them don't have a return road. Prescott does. Um, and it's all very gentlemanly. Get in a queue, wait for your turn, and then queue up to come back down again. Mm. You know, it's a, it, the British like a queue, so it works quite well for most yeah. of them. So, do, you, uh, um, do you do the test hill at um, Brooklands as well? I have done the test hill at Brooklands wow. in the past. The, the Hot Rod <laughs> Hayride. Yeah. had um, an event down there and uh, you could go up the, go up the test and then drive a little bit of the bank on the way back round which was great fun yeah because hopefully for this series of interviews I've got um, Alan Wynn who's the director of Brooklyn's museum lined up oh, okay. for, a, for an interview as well and um, it's it's kind of pretty in line isn't it with the with the age of some of the vehicles that the VRHA the VHRA deal with um, oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we've so. actually got one of our members has got Brooklyn's history um, not the member, but his car had. Yeah. Um, there's a guy who was he was the fastest on the beach the first year uh, at Pendine with 114 miles an hour. A guy by the name of Neil Bennett. He drives a oh. car that's the Baton Special, which is based around a set of 32 frame rails with a blown flathead in there. Um, and that car has got Brooklyn's history. You know, I don't, I don't know the full ins and outs of it, but. Uh, that's got quite a path to it. So, yeah, I mean, we've, whilst, you know, a lot of the cars are built um, rather, I say rather fresh, they've been sort of built in the last 20 years maybe, mm. mostly out of old parts. You know, we, we do have one or two that have got some, some proper pedigree there as well. Yeah. I, um, I've got to express an interest because I am a VHRA member and I'm also a Brooklyn's Trust member, so... <laughs> <laughs> express a bit of interest there. Um, yeah, you, you we also... went down there a few years ago for what was supposed yeah. to be a full Jim Carner, but there was about three or four events all on the same day, all yeah. within about a 20-mile radius of each other, and unfortunately it fell a little flat, but yeah. there was a couple of us down there with hot rods, but, uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have a few more there. Yeah, I think I think they were looking for some cars to... They were doing some filming down there a while back, actually, and they were looking for some period cars to sit along the side of the bank in as well. Right. Um, but mine, as always, when it's needed, was broken. <laughs> So, there you go. What can you do? Uh, you also you got your Gao event as well. Yes. Well, that, that's the press. That's the hill climb, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And and yeah. you've got your meltdown, this drags, isn't it? Yeah, we, well, the, the Hot Rod Drags has been going for about 20 years, and it's been sort of run by different people mm. sort of on behalf of um, the people that organise the Hot Rod Drags and the Nostalgia Nationals, and it's just our turn at the moment, you mm. know. So uh, for the last few years, we've been helping with that. We sponsor the trophies and make sure everything runs nice on the day. Um, unfortunately, the, where the event takes place, it looks like it might be closing soon because, um, as with a lot of things these days, the land's worth an absolute premium, and... Uh, it looks like it may be sold. Yeah. So, it's a shame uh, because when I was younger, I used to go over to Blackbush to the drags uh-huh. and, and Don Garlitz turned up over there and, and you know, yeah. they really had some very serious stuff over there. But then, you know, eventually became a car auction and, you know, there's not really enough room to do it over there anymore. It, it is, I think it's a bit the same as what's happening in the States and that they're losing a lot of their strips or yeah, have lost well, them. Well, this is the thing. I'm actually trying, I'd like to add another event to our bow. You know, we, we do have drag racing with the flathead meltdown which is just for the valve in block stuff at, yeah. um, at Avon Park. And then we there's an event called Atomic, which is a lifestyle yeah. weekender. And we have an eighth-mile flag start just for fun drag race there. But I would like us to have our own drag meeting. Mm. But it's it's finding, a, a, a suitable place, um, and then, B, somebody will let us just put it on as a VHRA event. Because what I'd like to do is run it very similar to what um, the Antique Nationals is in yeah. California. Um, all pre-49 stuff, all, all, you know, flathead or four-banged or, 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 you know, fairly antique engines. Mm. And they, they get bikes involved there as well, you know. It'd be nice to, because I don't... And there's no one really putting on a, a, a proper traditional style drag meeting over here but it's just uh, trying to convince people that, that it's viable but yeah. hopefully you know with the success of Gao and certainly the success of Pendine um, we, we might be able to persuade a, a drag strip owner or two to perhaps give us a chance and, and do that that's something we'd really like to do. Yeah, in, term, in terms of seeing Rods at shows actually I was very impressed with the um, retro festival at um, Newbury Showground this year uh-huh. it, whilst it was a, just an overall retro festival the amount of Rods that were there was very impressive there must have been 10 or 15 rods there, really nice ones. And, yeah, um, I mean, I was... with a lot of these retro events, you know, there's, there's a lot of those people that do the whole sort of spectrum of the, of the scene, yeah. you, know, it's, um, you know, from clothing through music to cars, you know, I know I'm sort of uh, certainly absorbed in that end of yeah. things, you know, it's not just the cars for me, it's, uh, it goes all the way through, you know, through the decoration of the house and, and whatever else, you know, it's, uh, again, no real explanation why, it's wow. just one of those things, you know, it's not like I, I get up in the morning and decide I'm going to be, you know, all, all 1940s. It's just the way things are. Yeah, right. uh, We've got some, um, there's a couple of very august presenters that are actually part of this show. They're, um, they're guys that are part of the AACA and stuff. But I have managed to get them to admit that they were hot rodders with 32 Fords <laughs> and stuff like that when they were younger. So um, whilst they're, yeah, whilst it, they're it, very cautious. <laughs> we, um, for the last three years, we've um, been nominated in the International Historic Motoring Award. I was going to ask you about that, actually. Yeah, yeah we, we, well, the first year we was nominated for um, the event of the year, which we tied with the Amelia Island de Elegance, mm. uh, which was, you know, a huge, huge yeah. honour. Last Jeez. year we were up for Club of the Year, and this year, and I had the, the pleasure of sitting next to Don Garlitz for the mm. evening. Lovely. Um, I say I had the pleasure. I, I, I was cheeky enough. I knew he was coming over for it, so I was cheeky enough to ask if I could sit with him, and uh, okay. managed to arrange that for me. And that was a. And although Don never won the Museum of the Year, and we never won the uh, Club of the Year, we had a great evening just chatting. And he mentioned Blackbush and a few other bits and pieces. So it was great to spend time in the man's company. Yeah. And we're, we're up again for Club of the Year again this year. 
Um, but what I was going to say, with the first year we were there, um, people were introducing themselves around the table, and you introduce yourself and you say you're from the Vintage Hot Rod Association, and you, you see an eyebrow raised. Um, <laughs> and the guy next to me, was, he was up for uh, publication of the year for a book he'd written on, oh, I can't think of the guy's name now, but he was a road racer in the, in the 50s. And um, he was he was kicked out of Le Mans apparently for putting a Cadillac engine in a '49 Ford sedan. <laughs> and I, I argued that surely that's just hot rodding by another name. Yeah. And and this guy wasn't having a bit of it. You know, he was he was quite adamant that it's not hot rodding. You yeah, know. I mean, but if we, you... we get that over here. I mean, the, the, the term they like to use is specials, isn't it? Yeah. Which is you know Austin Sevens and things like that. But they're they're just hot rods by another name. I mean, if you look at if you look at a lot of the history, if you look at the Brock Yates books and stuff like that, where he's you know how how the Americans took over Le Mans and stuff, they were effectively hot rods. They were yeah, Cobras. Yeah. The Cobra yeah. is about as much hot rod as you can get. Well, you know, well, well, and the it's, Cobra was built in yeah. the back of the hot rod shop, wasn't exactly. it? I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. AC built the body, and Shelby said, "Hang on, can I ram this big old Ford in it?" and it's the well, same yeah, as you do with anything, isn't it? I don't know if you know, that was actually done out of the back of um, the Moon Speed Shop. Yeah, it was, yeah, because he hired yeah. some space there, didn't he, until he, yeah. until he got going. And it's it, it, it's all, that's all how it always works. I mean, to be honest, in this country, Formula One came about like that as well, you know. And oh, it, yeah. it's, you know, I, I think it's just people tend to try and put labels on things, but it's all everybody enjoying cars, and it's just, if it's your car, you can do exactly what you like with it, as far well, as I'm concerned. Thing, I think this is where we've found, <laughs> uh, going back to our Henter Gower Prescott, I think this is yeah. where we've found some good good ground, you know. Although it's completely the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, with their yeah. multi-million pound Bugattis, they're just there enjoying their old cars, you know. And, exactly. and they, then they've, they've, they've said to us, two years on the trot now, when we've been there, that it's been their favourite event that they've put on for the year, because we're doing it for no other reason than, than enjoyment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just looked at the latest Jay Leno thing on YouTube, and he's uh-huh. got a load of guys in there with lowriders. Right. And it's he's absolutely fascinated by the workmanship, the paintwork, the way they've put the hydraulics in there. And he's about as serious a car collector that you'd get. I mean, I actually met him once at Pebble Beach when me and my wife were over there, and he's, he couldn't meet a nicer bloke. But he doesn't judge anybody on their car. If it's a car and you love it, that's great for him. It doesn't really matter what it is. And I, and I no. think you, you can't get more serious a collector than him, I don't think. Well, no, no, there can't be many more in, in no. the world that have got collection and as, no. as diverse as his exactly. as well, you know. And, and I know he likes to use his cars, doesn't he? He does. And, uh, and I think, you know, and I think that's what it's all about, really. And, and uh, we're coming up to a break now, but one, one thing I will ask you about is some of the concern in the States is a little bit about the greying of the hobby, where the age of the hobby is... Um, you know, it's dying out effectively in the States. But I'm thinking, you know, with VHRA, to me, there is a quite a younger element in it. So I, I think that's quite good. But we're just coming up to a break now. Uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back on the Classic Car Show right after these messages. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. 
This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Kevin Flood on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, and we're back speaking with Neil Fretwell from the Vintage Hot Rod Association here in the UK. Yeah, coming back to that subject, Neil, what's your thoughts on that? Because it, it is a concern in the States that the, the classic car hobby is dying out with the age of the 60 and 70-year-olds upwards. Well, I, I had a conversation with somebody along those lines a couple of years ago at the All Ford Rally that we have here that's been, I mean, it's a, an event that's been going for a number of years, and it's it's open from anything from the birth of Ford right the way through to about the 1980s now, I believe. Um, I mean, we've got to remember those cars are 30-plus years old now. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to a couple of, it's, it's organised in the most part by the Model Y and C register, um, for your American listeners, that's our, our smaller versions with a little eight-horse engine um, that would have been, I think they started producing them in 1932. Mm. It was the first car that was actually designed and made for the UK market. Um, but they, 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 their fear is that um, their type of car is going to come to an end regarding being collectible or, being want, or even being wanted because mm. they're so slow, they're, you know, in modern traffic, they're you know, close to useless, really, and they, they just don't think they can see any young blood coming through and wanting those kind of cars, you know. I mean, it's going to be a case of people inheriting them and then not really knowing what to do with them. Yeah. Um, but they, they themselves said that they can see that, our type of cars, the hot rods, because of the noise, the speed, the look, you know, the outlaw element. And it's and it's certainly more outlaw in the UK than it is in America because mm. it's been there for so long. Um, I think there's enough of that, you know, danger, shall we call it, that I think hot rodding will survive for a good while longer over here. Yeah, because what the guys on the classic car show are trying to do with because the, they look at, they interview a lot of people from museums and clubs and stuff, and they're trying to promote, um, take a kid to a car show or get your granddad yeah, to take okay. you to a car show and things like that, so I think that's a good initiative and it's maybe something they should look at here, I think it's, it's, they tend to be a little bit insular with some of the clubs, I think and they don't want to introduce new new people and new things sometimes i think and it's kind I, of i think some of the older guys can run scared of youngsters you know yeah. I, I, it happened to me when i was 18 years old this i had a little morris minor convertible um it wasn't even 20 years old at that point it was a 1968 model it was this was this would have been in 1987 or 86 um and i took it to a car show just outside of london 
And um, when, as I was registering it to put it in there, you know, toddled up to the desk, uh, this guy behind it, well, I guess he was 50, 60, I don't know, I can't really remember now. He said, right, what, son, what have you got then, son? I said, a Morris Minor convertible. And he, and he said, well, it can't be an original one then, because he wouldn't believe that I would have spent that much money because they're that much more expensive than the, the mm. hard tops. Um, and they, they were really, really sort of digging their heels in at the fact that yeah, a youngster had, say, one of the... Uh, the higher uh, uh, higher end Morris Miners. In let's be honest, no Morris Miner is high end, is it? <laughs> they're getting that way though now. Actually, they're well, fetching yeah, some I mean, money. Yeah, again, it comes back to that thing of being going up in price. But when we're talking about an eight hundred pound car, you yeah. know, it wasn't anything that special. I liked it, but it wasn't anything that special. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they, they they do have some fear. But what you're saying about take a kid to a car show, I think that's a good idea because that actually puts them in the car when it's moving, mm. um, rather than you know invite a kid to a car show. Because I think I think that's, that can be a lot of the problem a lot of the time. Things yeah. parked in lines, it looks yes. like a car park, can't it? You know, and this isn't yeah. a, a, a slur. I mean, on, on static events per se, but you know, I think you need to get kids out in them and show them how exciting. You know, sometimes going 30 miles an hour in a Model A can be as exciting as going 70 mile an hour in a modern vehicle. Or, or well, more exciting in my opinion. My you know. wife certainly thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> First time I took her out in that, she, she's like, "How fast are we going?" Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, no, it is as we were saying a little bit earlier. It is a, it's definitely a kind of visceral experience, isn't it? I think. Oh, definitely, yeah. But uh, I mean, that, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I, into being into the four bangers, um, you'll never ever spend quite so much money to go quite so slow. You can buy a flathead, go twice as so go twice as quick and spend half the money. Yeah. But for half the money again, you can go twice as quick again just by fitting a small block, can't you? Yeah. But, uh, oh, that's the thing. Uh, but uh, going back to what you're saying about static um, car shows, I've been I've been over to quite a few good guys shows over the uh-huh. last few years, and I think the um, pro not the the sort of I suppose the pro touring movement with the autocrosses that's definitely improved things a little bit because there's cars actually autocrossing now and and there's stuff to look at there's noise there's yes. you know and and I think there's you know and there's this ultimate street car Optima thing every year now as well so I I I think you're right I think the you know the static car show has got its place. But you do like to see them running and stuff like that. I mean, I I mentioned to you earlier, I went to this um, steam show here locally, and they had every single vehicle steamed up and running, including a Stanley Steamer car. And, you know, everything was running, and the kids were loving it. I mean, going back to the Model A, if I drive the Model A down the road, kids will stop and point and laugh and smile. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, and I've got... You're just hoping that you're leaving the last impression on them, you know. One of them might just go home and try and find out what that funny old car is. Exactly. My wife's got a Herald, a red and white two-tone Herald, and same Uh thing. Drive that down the road, you don't see them anymore, and, you know, people go, oh, look at that. You know, it's lovely, and it's like... Because it's not round and it looks the same as everything else. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we get told, we, we, uh, we mentioned it earlier, the Atomic uh, Festival that we're part of, where we run the drag racing. Uh, we, we've, we've often been told by people who aren't necessarily into the cars, and I've read blogs of uh, young girls that are going there for the fashion art side mm. of things, and they comment on how much of a different experience it is with the noise of the going on in the background they say how yeah. much that helps to make the event you know definitely um and we, we, what we're trying to do at atomic is we're trying to encourage people to to use their cars and there's a lot of stock british cars a lot of stock american vehicles um you know we, we, we're trying to twist people's arms to come and um come and have a race with us you know because i mean a lot of drag racing that went on back in the day 
um, would have been, you know, stock vehicle versus stock vehicle. Oh, you know, for I mean, sure. we, we, yeah. all the famous stuff is obviously the the high end stuff. But you know, to to fill the drag strip, make the promoter, make it worthwhile for the promoters. It wasn't all about um, the, the 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 gas classes and things like that. You know, they would have been running stock classes as well. Oh, so. it's the bracket racing. I think was the yeah. thing, wasn't it? They used to fill the lanes up. I mean, that's the, yeah. the, the effectively the run what you brung. Yes, type thing, yes. you know, and that's what we're, we're trying to do at Atomic, and uh, yeah. it's just a little trying trying to twist people's arms a little further. We're going to be giving away um, some tickets for uh, Gal Speed Hill Hill Climb at uh, Atomic. I'm going to be here to somebody who wins. It's just going to be a lucky dip for anybody that takes yeah. part in the race, oh. and hopefully, you know, you know, they'll do it one year. They might want to do it again the next. And uh, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, that's that's part because from what I see from the VHRA, the promotion's good. I mean, you've got that sort of thing, and I see you on social media quite a bit, and the website's very good, and so you, you've definitely got the modern end of the marketing side of it working by the look of it. Yeah, well, that's what I've tried to do, you know, from the start with the website. I try to update, you know, at least once a week, or if it's not once a week, you know, it will be four times a month. You know, I, I see our webpage as being our newsletter, because, as yeah. you know, we don't send a newsletter out or anything like that. And, I, um, you know, my experience in the past of, of club newsletters is they can be sometimes a little lacking in information. Yeah. Whereas I think if it's all up on the web, you can go back and see the old stuff and things like that. And it's instant, isn't it? Yeah, more you, up to date. You, you, you know, we had a meeting recently with the um, the DVLA, which is our equivalent of the DMV, um, where they're talking about how to go about registering old vehicles. And it's, it's a thing that's on uh, a lot of people's minds at the moment. Yeah. And within, you know, 24 hours of being there, we had a report up on the website to say what's going on, you know. And I know that report has been used quite widely in classic car magazines and everything else so i've not i've not seen um sent one for writing it all but uh, no of course not. <laughs> i know they're using that information but that's yeah. a good thing because you know it gets it out there had that been hidden away in a little club magazine it'd have been a month late and you know maybe the word wouldn't have got out you yeah know, so. i mean I, I, I got, i've got a blog that i do um it's just me fiddling around with my model a and making yeah. mistakes all over the place and stuff like that <laughs> but it, it gets. I think it's had something like twenty thousand views now, or something. And it, people oh, it's just, amazing, isn't it? yeah, sometimes send you a message and say, "Oh, how did you do that then?" And it's, you know, and I said, "Well, <laughs> I'm not sure you want to do it the way I did it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it. yeah, you, you, you decide what you want to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And this is this is why it took me three days to get the sump back on, and it leaked all over the place and everything yeah, else. And yeah, yeah. It's, but, but yeah, it was. It, it's it's the enjoyment part of it, really. I think that's the that's the thing. But um, yeah. I, I was just going to ask you, actually, do you ever think that you might end up publishing something like a Rodgers Journal type thing? Because you have got a lot of pretty photogenic cars in the club, haven't you? Uh, I ha it's something I've considered. Um, I, I don't know if, if you've got a copy of our DVD. Um, I haven't from yet. Pendo I will be. <laughs> <laughs> so I notice it's just gone on sale, so I'll be there for that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, in the DVD, I to make it something that was because um, the trouble is things can get copied these so easy these days. Yeah, to make it a little okay. bit special, I actually um, put together a little sixteen-page magazine to go inside there called Soup. Um, oh, I saw that on the yeah, I saw that on the site actually on the promotional yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and, that, and that was kind of a little feeler to see if people were interested in in a little magazine like that. You know, mm. a little like the hop ups and the honks and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Forties and fifties, uh, and barely anybody commented on it. So it's not something no. I've pursued further. No, I, I, I like the idea of doing it. It's something I really like the idea yeah. of, but. Um, it's. Uh, I'm a bit I mad. Know. I don't know. I... It's on. It's it's at the back of the, my mind, but yeah. 
I, yeah. I tend to be a bit of a magazine person still because I subscribe to like all the Hemmings ones, Rodder's Journal. Uh-huh. I managed to get one of those lifetime memberships for Rodder's Journal oh, as well, right, which yeah, was I, good. I missed out on those. I don't know so, how I missed out, but I, I missed out on those. I think but they had a lot of trouble with their head. website at the time, I think, and um, I think a lot of people missed out. I think they're probably going to redo it, I think, at some point. Yeah, I don't often go to their website, to be honest. You know, um, that's, uh, I've, I've got every issue that they've ever published. Yeah. Um, been lucky enough to get a picture of my car in there. They've reported on Pendine yeah, in there. Yeah, that have. was um, sort of one of the crowning moments yeah, of my sort no, of hot definitely. rod time, you know, to, um, much like this conversation we're having there. You know, they really <laughs> took their time and, you know, asked some good questions, you know, and you know, and, and everything they put in there was, was really good, you know. It's, yeah. um, no, I like to talk to people who are enthusiastic about what they're doing, you know, and it's, it's because um, yeah. I, I mean, I started off life in the motor train and I've drifted off into IT these days, but it's uh-huh. you know you always come back to it and i'd love to find some way to monetize it in some way so i could enjoy it <laughs> a well, bit more <laughs> well this is the thing you know i i for years I, you know everyone said to me because they were involved i was in the cars and um they, you know there's no way you can make a living out of these things and to, I, I you know I, it, earlier this was it this year or town end of last year uh, it got to the point that there's so much work with the VHRA that uh, it, it's, it's, it's become a source of income for me now. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it, you know, it, I'm never going to uh, buy the big house in the country, nope. but I'm really happy doing what I do. You know, it, it supplements mm. other bits and pieces that I do as well, you know. So but well, it, it got to the point that it, it had to start paying because it was taking up every waking moment, really. Not that I didn't mind... No. But it just didn't give me time to do anything else. No, exactly. I mean, what what was it Henry said? You know, do something you love and you'll never work another day in your life or something of that nature. And um, yeah. that's what it is, you know, and you get up every day and it's like, I'm going to look at cars, I'm going to do something to do with cars, and yeah. I don't care what everyone else is doing, you know, and it's, it is around that. I mean, I like doing these things. I've, I'm working full time, but I like doing these things. I like doing the blog and, yeah. you know, keeping the cars on the road and all the rest of it. And eventually... It would be nice if some one of these things could just keep me going a little bit, and I could just concentrate on doing that. So, well, no, you, you I, just don't know where these things will no, lead. You know, as I no. said, you know, I mean, the VHRA. I expected it to be fifty, sixty members. I never expected us to no. really have our own event. I just thought it would give us a name, and you know, we'd be recognisable as a group. You know, exactly. I mean, there, there are smaller clubs within. You know, the, as I said the previously, the low flyers. I'm in a club called the Sidewinders. There's the Executioners, Beaters. There's a bunch of different car clubs over yeah. here, but. As a collective, we weren't really recognised as anything. And I, and I just, just thought it was going to give us a name, you know. And as I say, it's just exploded. I mean, we're, we're signed up member 454 this wow. week. There you go. Um, which is, you, you know, which is outrageous, really, considering we're such a small island and we're a niche within a niche. It's, uh-huh. um, That's a, it, a great way to end, I think. I think we're, we've kind of reached our point now. I think maybe I'll come back to you, Neil, to be honest, because I think we probably could talk for hours. But, I, think, um, I think we probably could. I'm, 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 yeah. just, I'm known for talking. Me too. Me too. <laughs> That's why it was suggested to me by various people that this would be a good thing for me to do, because uh, I talk a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to um, thank our guest today, Neil Fretwell from the VHRA, uh, and invite you to listen again next time I'm coming from the UK. And it's Kevin Flood signing off for the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.